John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. And good morning, everybody. Here on this Wednesday, we're midway through the week here. And, of course, different in the sense that there's no game for the Seahawks this weekend because of the bye week. And so, but still a lot of football. And, of course, the unusual thing with all the moving around of the schedule because of all the COVID problems and that, no Thursday night games. So, nothing on the docket as far as the NFL until Sunday. But still plenty of college going on right now. Still waiting for the pack. 12 to be able to start, which, of course, is on its way. You know, you've got Big Ten games and certainly uh, a lot of big games in the SEC. But we've got the five biggest stories of the day coming up. Number one. Henry at the backfield. And they give it to him. He goes to the right side. Well, what a beatdown last night. Tennessee Titans, with no practice basically in about over two two weeks, ended up with all the COVID problems and everything else just blowing out the Buffalo Bills. 42 to 16 and that stunned me because you know here they were three starters weren't able to go on offense because of the COVID test you know wide receiver Corey Davis their left tackle uh they didn't have uh some other players that weren't able to go either and but nevertheless they come in against the Buffalo Bill team that did have some injuries I mean Tredavious White their best cornerback he was out uh, some injuries on the offensive line but and wide receiver John Brown did not play and so uh, in the end it was just an an absolute beatdown, 42-16. to 16. Ryan Tannehill, if you look at his numbers, going back when he took over the starting job from Marcus Mariota last year, believe it or not, right up there in 16 games, in the last 16 games that's been played with uh, Patrick Mahomes. And so he's playing at a very high level and you know now can maybe elevate the Tennessee Titans to once again win that division and maybe be a Super Bowl contender. Now, of course, we'll find out more about the uh, Bills this week because they've got that game that was supposed to be Thursday night going against Kansas City. That's now going to be on Sunday. So we'll see how that one goes. And I don't know if you want, saw the biggest play. I think, you know, just if you haven't, somehow just dig it out and, you know, Google search it and find it. But Derek Henry had one of the biggest stiff arms I've ever seen. And he took Josh Norman. And it wasn't just a stiff arm in his face. It was like he took the stiff arm and just kind of threw his body away. Incredible play. So now the Bills have to try to see if they can bounce back. That's going to be a Monday night game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this is not Sunday, so uh, that'll be huge. And you got Dallas taking on Arizona on Monday night. Tennessee now, they're going to be in a tough stretch. I guess we could say not a tough stretch in some ways because we, they've been able to turn this COVID issue over. And right now, there may not be any sanctions against them, which I just find stunning. <clears throat> but for their next five games are at home. They take on Houston on Sunday. And then in week seven, they take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's going to get a game that was down there. That was a game that had to be delayed because of the COVID incidents and the problems and the continued thing. But I still have to think that they have to do something with the Titans because the fact that they, they carried through and had so many positive tests and they had players that were on practice fields they weren't supposed to be on. I mean, they, 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 I know Roger Goodell yesterday said that uh, you know they were very cooperative and all that stuff, but I'm just stunned right now to see that uh, they can get off the hook on this one, but we'll have to watch it and find out. Number two. Every day I wake up, I, I wake up to try to be the best in the world of what I do. I never try to settle for second place, you know, and so I don't really want to vote, you know, I, I want to be able to win the whole thing. You know, the thing is, is that 
really about us as a team. It's really about us trying to win a Super Bowl. And, you know, the great thing about uh, the MVP award, you know, reality, the reality is it's it's a team award. You know, nobody's going to give the MVP to, uh, to somebody who's second place or third place or anything like that. So it's really about winning. It's really about being successful as a team and what we can do together. And it really comes down to, I think, the, the battle between Aaron Rodgers and uh, certainly Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and, and any of the other quarterbacks to see who can get a number one or number two seed because Russell's right about that. I mean, you can put up great number one numbers, but uh, you know you need the wins. I mean, you go back and you look at the numbers, certainly were real good for Lamar Jackson, but the reason he got the MVP is that they went 14-2 and two and had a number one type of seed. And so Russell is not seemingly as worried about the MVP, but he he has been the MVP in the first five weeks of the season. 19 touchdown passes, uh, three th- ranks third in passing yards. He's number three in completion percentage of 72.8%, and that's behind Derek Carr and Teddy Bridgewater. But the difference is he gets the ball downfield deeper than both those guys. Aaron Rodgers, of course, is right now, I think, the toughest competition because, again, he's gone through and he's put up like 38 points a game, uh, even though he hasn't had the full complement of receivers. Devontae Adams has missed the last two games. And then he's got no interceptions. He's only been sacked three times. I mean, he's been able to stand upright and get the ball downfield. We're going to talk to Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports at 1030 and discuss who are some of the best teams in the NFC and in the AFC. Number three. Some relationships just weren't meant to be, and I don't think this was one. Le'Veon Bell forced his way out of Pittsburgh. He, he didn't like the deal that they offered. He wanted more money. He took a year off. He goes from being what many thought was the best back in the, in the league to being a guy who no one even noticed played on the NFL football team. And I think when you get around a bad organization, a bad coach, bad offensive lineman, other bad players, that kind of rubs off on you. That kind of stink is hard to wash off on game day. And so now Le'Veon Bell gets an opportunity opportunity to reinvent himself and so maybe he goes to a team that's a winner that has good players around and we can see some of that talent we used to see in Pittsburgh yeah I can't imagine them taking him back but hey stranger things have happened because I think the relationship had to be bad because again you know he left that team high and dry you know because they put the franchise tag on him at 14.55 million dollars they tried to give him a deal you know somewhere in that uh, 13 14 million dollar range and he just said no not going to do it <clears throat> so that kind of betrayal i think keeps him out of pittsburgh i can see him going to chicago and of course the story is Le'Veon bell was released by the new york jets and once again another adam gaze player that <clears throat> gets let go or traded and they were trying to trade him like crazy because they had a roster bonus or they had a bonus that was going to be coming due in uh, my Thursday, and so they basically left him high and dry. They still owe him six million dollars, and so that is you know up for grabs right now. Uh, Chicago, I think, would be a good fit for him. <clears throat> They're four and one. They don't have a running game going, and I think they can certainly use a player of his caliber to be able to come in. Now, of course, he becomes a free agent at 1 o'clock today, uh, West Coast time, because, again, his contract is terminated, but certainly he can start talking to anybody as we speak. I mean, here it was last year he goes and he gets the $13.1 million contract. He uh, ends up getting $27 million over two years, but he had a 3.2-yard average, and what led to the downfall, and, of course, again, this is all uh, so much on Adam Gaze. You know, he goes, and he, Bell wanted to stay in the game a couple weeks ago and uh, because of a hamstring injury he they kept him in for five he has to go on injured reserve and then they didn't play him as much as he wanted he tweeted it out and adam gaze did not like that and so Le'Veon bell cut by the new york jets number four what's the believed injury is it a torn bicep and then if he is out the rest of the year kind of what's the plan going forward at that position we we think um 
it, it is uh, a bicep injury, and that's something we're working through um, right now. Kind of, what are the next steps? What are the options on the table for him? Um, and that'll be a, a big part of our week this week. Yeah, a big loss. Chandler Jones having surgery on that torn bicep, and he's out for the season. And really, you're looking at the sack leader since going to that team in 2016. Nobody's had more sacks than him in the National Football League. Last year, he had 19 sacks. And, uh, you know, so far this year, he only had one sack, but he's not going to be adding to that total. So it is a torn bicep, season-ending surgery today, and that's really going to affect a a cart. Arizona defense that needs him and now won't have him, and we'll see how this weekend how it's going to sort out how they're how much more defense is going to be exposed when they go Monday night against the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Number five, and the 0-2 pitch to Brantley. Castillo sets and throws, popped him in the air, left center field, playable. Margot moving to his right, he is there. The Rays have won Game Three. They have taken the first three games of the league championship series, and they are one win away from the World Series. So Tampa Bay got a five-run six inning to beat the Astros 5-2, to two, that in game three. And so now they have a dominating 3-0 performance against an Astro team that everybody is wanting to lose. 5-2 uh, to two was the final score. Now they are one win away from getting their second-ever trip to the World Series. And, you know, what you're looking at is, you know, something that the, uh, the Mariners have to be looking at, too, and modeling after because, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays had to go rebuild, take a step back and rebuild. The San Diego Padres had to do the same thing. Uh, of course, they're not going to be going to the World Series. Atlanta is taking on the Dodgers and Atlanta has a two nothing lead. They won eight to seven on Tuesday, and so uh, the Dodgers in trouble. Of course, that was a game that Clay, uh, you know, they were supposed to have their top pitcher out there, but he had a back problem, Clayton Kershaw, and so now the Dodgers in big trouble. So today you have the NLCS game that's going to start at three p.m. on TBS, and then tonight Game Four with a chance for the Rays to clinch. You'll be able to hear that on seven ten as they pick up the game. That's going to be at six p.m. You can listen to the show on the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to go under further review and talk about uh, what do the Seahawks need to improve during the bye week and what they start working on next week. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. Under further review with John Clayton. We'll review the play. Well, of course, uh, everything's under review right now because Seahawks in the bye week Coaches may be taking a little time off, but if they're not, they're looking over and uh, seeing, okay, what things need to be fixed up. And, of course, next week when the team gets back to practice, they're going to try to work on different things. And so I guess the question that uh, the Seahawks are looking at and everybody's looking at, they're 5-0. and Certainly the defense has been a big issue. Russell Wilson has had to play some of the greatest football we've ever seen at quarterback. And so now what do the Seahawks need to improve on during the bye week? Michael Bumpus was on with Danny and Gallant today and talked about it. The Seahawks are on the bye week, and this is a time that provides an ability for teams to get healthy, to reflect on how to get better. This is a different bye week, though. What should the Seahawks focus on to help them continue their winning streak? The offense and defense, they can come together on one thing. 
third downs. They both have to get better on third downs. The offense is ranked 31st on third down. The defense is ranked 29th on third downs. For all the positives that the offense have done, that's where they're struggling. Um, for all the, all the things that the defense is struggling with, I think that's a big uh, factor in them having success going forward. So you have to be able to keep drives going. And Russell Wilson in the, in the O can do that, but that's just putting so much pressure on them to be successful on second down. Like, put together 13, 14 play drives and really grind it out. And then for the defense, just get off the field so the offense can work. So they can ha- all have a, a kumbaya meeting, come together and say, look, guys, this is one category we can both get better on, and that's third downs. It's crazy that they won the game despite going 0 for 7 on third downs against Minnesota. Do you know what else is crazy? The last team to win a game without converting a third down were the Seahawks back in 2018 when they beat the Cardinals 20 to 17 despite going 0 for 10 on third down. How do you get better on third down though? You get better on second down. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, just um, it's, it's a hard. It's a hard to answer question. And I mean, a lot of the issues that they seem to run into on on Monday, or excuse me, on Sunday night were. Oh no! Hold! Oh no! Sack! Oh no! It's second in a million miles. Yeah, and third and fifteen. There's not a play for third and fifteen. There was the third and twenty-four at some point. So, um, yeah, limit your penalties and just execute. You know, a, a third and two, you got to pick it up. There were some situations where it's third and short, and they just didn't get it done. I don't know why. You know, maybe um, I'm, I don't. I'm never going to question a play calling at this point because Schottenheimer's been doing his thing. But it's probably the penalties. And just execution. Get her done, son. Well, really, when you look at the uh, problem on the third down, which was, you know, 0 for 7 or whatever it was, that's a byproduct not of the third down play calling, but it was a first and second down execution. Because, you know, unlike the way the first four games went, there were so many second and 16s, third and 10s, you know, the sacks, the four sacks in the first half. I mean, that just threw everything off. And so it's, it's one of those stats that if you look at it on the surface, you say, that's incredible. But no, when you look at the fact that, you know, what they did on first and second down, and remember, they only had 50. 54 plays on offense, so it wasn't like as if you know they could really generate much. They could not get into a rhythm, and part of that was a strategy put up uh, by Mike Zimmer because here's he's got uh, you know three young cornerbacks who are all very much exposed. You know he's out there trying to uh, see what they can do, but what they did is that they played cover two and a little bit of cover four, playing zone and trying the best they can into cover two to have five defensive players you know out there in the middle of the field taking away any deep routes at DK Metcalf or anything that could be done by uh, Tyler Lockett. And so that kind of wrapped things up. And of course, you know, Seattle made the natural good move could probably should have made it earlier using a little bit more too tight in at the beginning of the third quarter, because what that did is that, uh, you know, Greg Olson and Will Disley, particularly Greg Olson is so good in zone defense because he knows how to angle and how to get on the right path and where he needs to be. So that started getting that spell where they get, you know, the three quick touchdowns drives in a minute 53 so that's one of those stats it's like okay it looks bad but it really is not third down execution but how could how do you how do you turn a third and 21 you know because you know so many times on a second and long I mean Russell was getting sacked and uh you know it just wasn't working and so they they now work through that so one of the things I'm sure that uh you know Brian Schottenheimer is going to do next week is take a close look at all those plays that uh happened in the first half and make some adjustments and do some different things and that's what 
what this team has been so good at doing is at uh, you know mixing it up more on first and second downs. I mean, uh, going into last week, Russell Wilson was the best quarterback in the league really with more than 15 throws at getting passes and getting a quarterback rating uh, as far as you know, on the uh, on the pass plays on first down. I mean, you know, he was doing a great job of that. It just didn't work, and particularly in the first half. And then, of course, you're trailing. You get a little bit out of sync. They took back the lead, and it was a game where I think you had like four different sections of the game that were dominating from one side to the other. But in the end, Russell got the 94-yard drive to win the football game. But that has to be worked on, and, you know, Michael Bumwitz made a great point, too, third down defense that needs to get better too because again you know, whether it's you know trying to get the team in a better situation on uh, second down and you know making sure that you don't have too many easier third down type of plays, you know they need to fix that up. But clearly, a lot of work needs to be done on the defensive side of the ball. And of course, the good thing is with the bye week, you're able to regroup. I mean, you're just getting by everybody back for the most part. You know, Jamal Adams will be out there. Quentin Dunbar will now have a chance because you know you probably got a cramp and all that stuff after coming back and missing time with that knee injury. But in the end, it's like. Uh, people still look at the stats and panic. And what I do, I look at 5-0 and and Russell Wilson in a passing type of league right now. And Curtis Rogers, I think, you know, there's concern, no doubt. But things, as you look around the league, have been sustainable because Green Bay is giving up a lot of points. New Orleans is giving up a lot of points. It's just a scrambled time, particularly if you're an NFC playoff caliber team. True. I, I think offense is just going to continue to evolve in the NFL. And we're not going to see as many teams hold hold other teams under you know 200 yards total it just because that's how the NFL game is going. John, when you look at the Seahawks' third down troubles on Sunday night, both offensively and defensively, which do you think is going to be the bigger priority uh, going forward? Is it going to be the third down offense, which found themselves in, in a, some big holes early on in the game? I think all three of their first-half drives – we're third and long situations, third and like 20-something. Or is it going to be their third down defense, which had trouble getting off the field and Minnesota was able to control the time of possession to nearly a 2-1 to one, uh, two to one margin on Sunday? Yeah, clearly it's going to be the third down defense. I mean, because, you know, offense, I mean, you know, again, offense is the byproduct of what happens on first and second down. And it didn't work. I mean, again, it was like in the first half, everything was thrown off by the zone defense that Mike Zimmer used that was very effective and caused all these long situations. It's like, okay, I mean, you know, you've got right now one of the greatest quarterback runs in NFL history. And so there's going to be, you know, and you're having one of the you know worst years as far as yardage allowed and points and all those different things. So more work needs to be done on defense. I mean, cause they can fix the things on offense right now. They have to see if they can fix the things on defense. And that's the thing that's so baffling because again, with the talent that this team has at the cornerback uh, and safety position, you know, and obviously not having Jamal Adams out there did hurt. Ryan Neal continued to do a great job, but that I think is the bigger issue uh, trying to make sure that you get the defense better. Well, and the defense is hopefully going to get better. They're certainly going to get more talented as the season goes along. Damon Harrison, he's going to be pl- playing after the bye week. Jamal Adams will hopefully be back after the bye. Daryl Taylor, maybe there's a point where he comes off the PUP list this season. Uh, so, I mean, those are three guys that there were huge expectations on, uh, or that there are huge expectations on. Uh, which hopefully will lead to better third-down defense. I know a lot of times on Sunday, Minnesota was able to run the ball on third down to get you know first downs here and there. And and we know that Snacks Harrison is one of the best run-stuffers in the game. I think Pro Football Focus just two years ago in 2018 
named him their best run stuffer in the league. So it's not like Damon Harrison is so far removed from his best seasons. Uh, I mean, obviously he missed the season's first quarter this year, and, and there might be a little bit of rust. But when he is out on the field, John, I would imagine that is going to be a world of difference from what we saw on Sunday night. Oh, it has to be because again, he is you know I guess why it was such a great addition, and for the way they were able to get him, at, we don't know what the contract is, but to get him at such a reasonable price was sensational. So I think you know that worked out very well, and so now it's a matter of uh, you know just putting everything together. And again, I think that uh, you know it's it's a different list right now the old standards don't apply in anything because again there's so much offense i mean there's never been a time where there's been fewer holding penalties there's never been a time where there's been fewer penalties and you know offenses have a chance particularly if we're on the road to be able to do things because there's no crowds or the crowd and the crowd noise is 70 70 80 decibels so in the end i mean this is all explainable it's nothing to panic about and again you know there's going to be and this tough stretch coming up is going to define where this team is going going to be but the fact that they went five and zero in non-division games against you know four pretty good quarterbacks i'm excluding ryan fitzpatrick because he's a okay quarterback but against four quarterbacks okay it's explainable but they still came out and won because russell wilson won those five games so that all looks very good hey by the way you can uh, you know look at coming up here is that uh, you can tell your smart speaker to play 710 espn seattle remember you can always listen to 710 on your smart speaker or app coming up next we'll talk to yahoo's charles robinson about the National Football League. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. And joining us is Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. He's the host of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. You can also follow Charles at the on Twitter at Charles Robinson. And so, Charles, five weeks into the season, I mean, uh, they've made it through. There's been some bumps and bruises with the uh, COVIDs and all that stuff. How different has this season been, and what kind of thoughts do you have in the first five weeks? It's been... I... It's definitely been interesting, you know. I mean, I think uh, I think we see. I, I think a lot of the young quarterback. I, it's what's interesting to me is that you see some of the the older quarterbacks starting to show the age. You know, you see um, Philip Rivers is definitely in the winner of his career. We see Tom Brady is a more fallible, you know, Tom Brady. Um, you know, I, I think then you see conversely guys like you know, Josh Allen really blossoming. Um, you see, uh, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, we've seen, you know, some of these younger guys be what they were, but, you know, Justin Herbert has been amazing. Um, Joe Burrow has shown, you know, flashes. And and I think maybe I, I always really try to focus on quarterbacks early in seasons. And it, it's I feel like seeing what's going on with Breeze and Brady and Phillip Rivers and some of these guys – it feels like the baton passing is starting to really take place and we're starting to see where, you know, those, those, the next sort of golden rotation of quarterbacks is going to come from. And Hey, we haven't even gotten to, you know, Trevor Lawrence um, yet. And, and obviously a great quarterback class that should come in this next draft. 
Yeah, and that's the thing I find so fascinating is that uh, you know we saw a little more change uh, that ball starting to roll uh, when Philip Rivers went to uh, you know Indianapolis and Tom Brady went to yeah. Tampa Bay and we saw the, the shakeup of the former number one picks and Jameis Winston and all those different things. But I think it's even going to be more dramatic next year because if the cap's going to be yeah. around 175 million dollars, yeah, you you're going to probably see more change, particularly in NFC, than you ever seen because. Because, uh, you know, I don't know if uh, they can afford to keep Drew Brees. And if they do cut him, he'll go into broadcasting. And that's going to take that team down. Then, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that uh, Arthur Blank, you know, didn't give the full endorsement that you know, Matt Ryan could right. be back next year. Because, again, they've got tight cap situations. And so you have yeah. that. And, of course, uh, you know, you still have Brady and Phillip Rivers. And Phillip certainly with his four turnovers, uh, four interceptions, and a safety in two losses, you know, that's been huge. And so, yeah, I think what you're going to see with that tight cap, there's going to be a lot of changes at QB. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you talk, I mean, the Saints, I have no clue what the Saints, even, even you know, cutting Breeze loose, I mean, they're going to have to be extremely creative, um, you know, if, if it falls around that $175 million range. You know, they – the Eagles, obviously, I don't think Carson Wentz is going anywhere, but I mean, that's another team that, um, you know, is going to be in some straits. The Falcons, I mean, you mentioned them. It's, it's the, the cap, it's interesting because we've gotten this far. And although, you know, we talked a little bit about what could be coming next year in terms of the revenue hit, I don't think anybody really no, is putting nobody together knows. in their head how horrible this is, this is potentially going to be. And, and I think of, you know, the Dallas Cowboys and, when you know Dak went down uh, with that injury, I sat there and I thought to myself, like, man, they were already, you know, they're already going to have to make some some difficult decisions. They've got you know offensive linemen who are hurting, and and you know you may have to shuffle there. And now you've got this situation, and and there's just no way I see them getting around, not tagging him a second time. And um, yeah, it's it's there's going to be so much chaos, you know, financially next season. So I. I'm curious what you think this, the one thing I think I was completely off on this year and, and I covered the NFC title game last year and I watched Aaron Rodgers get whooped by, you know, the San Francisco 49ers. And I sat there and I looked at that green Bay offense. And then I went through the season after that game. And I kind of went and looked at, you know, how they had stacked up the record. I thought, man, these they, they squeaked out a lot of, you know, a lot of close games. They had a lot of things break their way. And then when I saw the off season fall the way it did, I just thought in my mind, I don't know, you know, it felt like they betrayed Aaron Rodgers, you know, not adding the pieces that I thought they needed to add skill position-wise, particularly at wide out, and then Funchess opts out. And then Rodgers steps on the field this year and has just looked, I think, A, he looks protected. Like, he's, he's the offensive line is playing well, but, I mean, he looks to me, it made me sort of reassess whether he was healthy last year because he looks younger, He's moving well. Like he just looks like a healthier version of Aaron Rodgers. That's the only way I can explain what's going on right now. Yeah, I would. I tend to agree that uh, you know it's and you know you could see and people were saying there's a decline in his skills and I didn't see it, but you can see that mm-hmm. things because I mean you go back and you look at last year. 
And that's why I thought wrongly that there was going to be a drop off in the Green Bay Packers because, you know, they went 13 and three against a very easy schedule and right. it didn't right. have much. Of, but and then you look over and you see Minnesota. Minnesota actually scored more points than Green Bay because I think it was like 24 and change for the Vikings and 23 yeah. and change for the Packers. And you go, what is going on here? Because Kirk Cousins is good, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. Right. Right. I mean, I, I think that uh, that was definitely one where I just completely blew, you know, what what I thought Rodgers could be, whether or not he could have this kind of a flourish. But I, I also think, too, this goes back to, you know, teams and offensive line. I, I, I feel like fundamentally, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And the one thing that never changes in the NFL is if you got a, if you got an offensive line that's functioning well, that's healthy, that's, you know, got some cohesion to it, that plays well, NFL teams typically play really well behind offensive line. You just wonder why that doesn't, if, if you're a general manager and you're coming in and you're a head coach and that's the first conversation you have, you got to sit down and go, we got to fix the offensive line, right? I mean, I know like when Andrew Barry and, and, um, Kevin Stefanski got together. That was, you know, that was the first conversation I think the Browns had about like, let's fix this offensive line, this mm-hmm. right? We got to do something here. That's where the investment's going. Isn't that the first conversation you have, John? If you go into a bad franchise, you're like, we got to fix the line in front of the quarterback. Right? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I remember talking to uh, Brandon Bean uh, for their turnaround, and that was like the first thing yeah. that uh, he had to concentrate because I mean, he takes over the job in May. Uh, you know, they they yeah. had the quarterback and Josh Allen, but of course, uh, they, he had so many bad contracts on that team. But the first thing that he didn't, so he sits through the season, he knows he's got problems coming up the next year with cap issues and everything else, uh, and it, and because they ask him, it's like, okay, the owner said, how long is this going to take to rebuild? And he was vague, said two to three years with with the idea being, it's like, I don't know, something could go wrong here with some of the changes they have to make. And then like five days after the season, their center, Eric Woods, ends up getting uh, going second. You know, my neck's been sore. And it turns out he got a neck injury that ended his career. And so the, yeah. one of the first things, and it took him a year to do that, he had to find a center to base everything around, and he put so many, so much numbers into trying to get the offensive line better, and that started to get things going. And you can see, even though it didn't show last night, the results in finally getting Josh Allen the time and different things to be able to be as good as he's been this year. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Allen, that's probably another one, too, where I just, I'm stunned that he has, uh, you know, he... When you watch him, he still, you know, <laughs> still have a little bit of an over reliance on his arm. He'll crank one in there every once in a while to make it, you know, kind of a dumb throw every once in a while. But, you know, by and large, and obviously, you know, the Titans game wasn't great. But um, I feel like that guy's rounded into a player that I'm stunned that that he's really figured out. You know, there was a game earlier this season. I I, I can't remember what it was, but they ran a play action. Um, in the red zone, and he had to put touch on a ball to the tight end in the end zone, like left corner of the end zone. And he was patient. He play-actioned it perfectly, and it was just the perfect amount of touch. And I watched it, and I thought, that is what this kid, I remember, you know, going into the draft, just hearing, you know, personnel guys go, I don't know he'll ever if he'll ever be able to figure that kind of thing out. You know, he's mm-hmm. always going to have, you know, he's always going to be a 55% passer, He's never going to figure out, you know, the touch. And I, I remember, I mean, I'm dating myself here, but I remember when Tavares Jackson came into the league and talking to someone um, with the Vikings and them saying, hey, you know what, sometimes these guys, they have a lot of natural ability, 
and you hope that maybe in college, particularly when they played for a smaller school, they just didn't get the level of coaching, you know, or the, the attention that you, you get when you get on the NFL level. And that tends to change the dynamic for some of these quarterbacks. And I wonder if maybe with Josh Allen that was the case. In your calls around, because obviously it's a big topic here in Seattle because the defense ranks 32nd in yards allowed, even though Russell Wilson's having the greatest stretch of quarterback play I've ever seen, is that uh, is it sustainable? I mean, because, again, I mean, it's not just uh, Seattle giving up yards and points. I mean, it's Green Bay, New Orleans, all these teams, particularly in the NFC, just getting bludgeoned on defense. And, you know, can it be sustainable that you just basically this, this is the year that, you know, offense has to outscore defense if you're going to go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, it feels that way. It really does. And I don't I don't know how much of that is, you know, just the the, the lack of the preseason. That, that was the thing, I think, when we didn't have the preseason. We didn't have the preseason games. And obviously we didn't have, you know, the, the normal camp and all these things. It was sort of like, all right, well, who's going to come out ahead? And I feel like typically – you know, it's usually when we get into camps and we're going around that it's always the defense that's ahead of the offense. And, you know, it's, you know, somebody's swimming on offense and, and it's taking time to catch up. And for whatever reason this year, and I can't really put my finger on it, it's it's the opposite. It feels like a lot of these defenses, you know, have, have not caught up and, and aren't where they need to be. I mean, I look at Kansas City and I sat there and I thought to myself, like, hey, this this team should be able to run the table this year. But then I've sort of watched at times this year and been like, man, I don't know. Parts of the defense don't necessarily look right. Um, you know, the pat- there's a number of teams where, you know, you talk about Russ playing the way that he is. But you're like, all right, well, at some point, you got to have a pass rush. You know, you figure you're going to get to the you're going to get to the playoffs and you have to be able to apply pressure consistently. Um, or else, like you said, you're going to run into teams that are going to put 40 on you. And, you know, can you have, are you going to be healthy enough on offense and are you going to have enough pieces, um, you know, to just out sprint teams? So I don't know if that, that'll be the second half development, you know, with, with the NFL this year, if we sort of see defenses start to, start to catch up or if this is just going to be that kind of season where for whatever reason, you know, the defenses lag behind and, and now we've seen, you know, particularly the last couple of years, some of the rule changes and and the protectionism has has really really aided you know offenses to the point where it's going to be rare to see a defense consistently keep up. Exactly. You can follow Charles Robinson on Twitter at Charles Robinson, and of course uh, you have the podcast, the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. Who do you have on that this week? How can everybody get it? And also, what do you have on Yahoo dot com? Uh, well, so the podcast this week, uh, I'm trying to think what 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 we're actually we're going to talk today. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of talk about Dak. Um, spend a lot of time talking about you know like where do the Cowboys go from here? I think Andy Dalton becomes a pretty interesting story. Um, you know, the, I mean, the Titans. Obviously, I think you know to me this was the announcement game. You know, beating the Bills the way that they did, I think, shows that the Titans are every bit as legitimate as they were last year. And I, I almost wonder if maybe this adversity that they're building up in their mind over their own violations <laughs> over COVID protocols might be something that, um, you know, galvanizes that team. So I, I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. But, I mean, right now in my world, I think it's just it's, – it's all sort of Cowboys, Dak, you know, what's, what's going to happen with this team that had these Super Bowl aspirations and, and how do they fix – uh, uh, what seems unfixable on the offensive line and then and then you know hoping that Andy Dalton they can hitch their wagon to this guy and maybe he has a career 
you know, a career year and reboots it and does the Ryan Tannehill and becomes a guy that's a commodity in this offseason. Charles Robinson, thank you so much. Hope to see you sometime. I don't know when, but I hope to see you. Yeah, I don't know when either. Nobody Just knows. Stay safe, all right, John. Okay, we will see good. each other down the road. Sounds good. Thanks. Hey, be sure to check out the Professor's Notes at 710sports.com. The Professor's Notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to go catch you up on the National Football League going behind the lines. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with a 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, Adam Gaze did it again. I mean, uh, he you know gets mad at one of the players, Le'Veon Bell, because Le'Veon was not happy about his playtime coming off the hamstring injury. So he tweets out his complaints, and next thing you know, Adam's upset about it. He says, how come you didn't tell me, and all those different things. And now, not only do they start making a quick move to try to trade him, they came back and, uh, you know, basically said that uh, he's not going to be, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be boom, going to be out of there. And so in the end, that's just a, a crazy thing. And so now we'll see if he goes to Chicago, what different team. But I can't imagine, uh, Curtis, what you're seeing in Adam because uh, now he basically says, uh, hey, the perception he's being misused was uh, irrelevant right now. But, of course, how relevant is the Jets as the worst offense, the worst team in football, and now less talented at the running back position? Yeah, boy, they're just slipping further and further into irrelevancy. They are a dumpster fire. I, I don't see any hope for that organization in the near future. That is a team that needs to tear everything down to the studs. Uh, Joe Douglas has his work cut out for him because Adam Gase, uh, for as much as he gets called a quarterback whisperer, there are very little results to show for it during his time in Miami and in New York. Uh, you'd think Sam Darnold, being a young quarterback, would have taken to Adam Gase and, and would have seen a tremendous improvement in his play. That has not been the case at all. You kind of wonder if Sam Darnold is, is done as a starting quarterback in the NFL beyond this season. Uh, or maybe they give him another go next year in year four because uh, he hasn't really shown anything in his first three or four seasons here in the NFL. And uh, I, I think that's due in large part to Adam Gase just simply not being able to get through to his players, not being able to get through as a leader of that organization because the Jets right now, John, that is the worst organization in the NFL. Oh, yeah. And it's really not close. Yeah, it's funny because now people are saying how bad for talent this team is that you know they should fire uh, you know Joe Douglas. They just gave him a six-year contract. I mean, a six-year contract, yeah, guaranteed he's not going contract. Anywhere. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. I mean, Adam Gaze, of course. I mean, he'll be going someplace because uh, it's just a matter of when because it's so bad. But uh, I just I just shake my head and think, all right, so uh, they weren't on the same page, obviously. Uh, in trying to get uh, to get Bell because you know Dave McCagnan, the general, the general manager, wanted him and gave him 13.1 million a year, and Adam Gaze didn't want him. And you can see from the very beginning this was a bad marriage, I guess you could call it. Uh, you know, Joe Douglas, of course, they have a little bit of a relationship and they should be okay. Uh, and, but this this is a disaster. Absolutely, another disgruntled player right now. It would seem uh, is Saints star wide receiver Michael Thomas. John, he was quoting him, or he was uh, posting on Twitter last night some pretty ominous quotes just about his situation in New Orleans. Uh, what the heck is going on with him? Because, it, I mean, 
based off of his workload, he doesn't have anything to be mad about. He's always among the league leaders in receptions and targets. What's going on with Michael Thomas? Well, apparently, I guess we now find out that he's a handful to work with because, uh, you know, he gets upset, like I guess uh, last week because of the ankle. Uh, he was trying to do things, and he starts shouting at the uh, trainers and equipment people for not, you know, getting enough stuff on his ankle. And uh, he's, I guess, crusty with coaches. <clears throat> so we find it, you know, that a uh, little bit of a diva thing is there with him. And then, of course, I guess uh, <clears throat> sometimes he's not great with his teammates to a point where he punched out uh, one of the safeties. And so you can see, uh, and you know, they, so what they did is that they they put the one game suspension on him and didn't play him last week. But what that does, because based on his contract, that eliminates the two years of base salary guarantees. So if they want to get rid of his eighteen million dollar a year contract, now they're more in a position to be able to do that. But you know, here's the mainstay of that offense. You know, a guy that catch, caught hundred and fifty passes last year, and now boom, you know, he may be on the outside looking in. Yeah, it's a stunning turn of events there in New Orleans, especially because of how much uh, they rely on Michael Thomas. And then, John, uh, quickly before we run out of time here, Chandler Jones done for the season. How big of a blow is that for the Cardinals? Huge. I mean, because, again, you know, he's had more sacks than any other player in football since 2016. And you're talking about a guy last year that had 19 sacks. And, you know, you figure he's always going to be good for double-digit sacks. And so now their ability to get to the quarterback is much less. And that the defense was going to really determine where they are. Because, you know, Kyler Murray, he ended up getting the offensive player of the week this year or this week. And so, you know, and they're up and down on offense. But what you're seeing is that now if the defense can't hold anybody, uh, that's going to be even tougher for Kyler Murray because he does have some interception issues. Sometimes the play calling is going to be a little bit tough. I mean, this could be devastating for them. Yeah, not good for the Cardinals, and that's who the Seahawks have next. I know. That's not good at all. So uh, we'll see where it goes and see how it comes. And, of course, coming up next, we're going to check in with our Wednesdays with Wyman, Dave Wyman, joining us. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.